Well, today we are concluding, and I don't want any cheers, but we are concluding our study through the book of Ephesians. It's been 18 weeks, and so we are finally in the last chapter. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. It's Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to look in verse number 10 in just a few moments. But in this concluding part of our series, we're going to take a look at how we can prepare for a life that has the power and the backing of God behind it. You know, not that it's something that we just sit back and say, man, I hope that happens, but how we can actually prepare for the power of God to begin to work in our lives. And in our text today, we're going to see Paul uh, concluding with the Ephesian church how to prepare for really spiritual success in their lives. And it's in this scripture where we're going to see why it's necessary for us to prepare. And the big reason why is because in this life, whether you recognize it or not, there is a battle that's going on. There is a battle that's going on for your life and my life with good and evil. Uh, There is a battle that's going on in our lives between the light and darkness. And, of course, the light... A good is represented by God. And so the question is, in that battle that's going on for your very soul, the question we ought to be asking ourselves is, who's winning? You know, who's having, who's having victory in my life concerning this area? Because I want you to know something. I want you to know that if you desire for God to be victorious in your life, then you have to begin a process of preparing for it and getting ready for it. And so we're going to look in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Again, we're concluding the series here. And so as you're looking that up, uh, just a reminder, the the church in Ephesus is located now, it's located in modern-day Turkey. And Paul wrote this letter to this church because he helped start the church. And he really had a concern for this group of people, and he wrote them this letter to say, listen guys, I want you to develop your relationship with God. I want you to prepare to have spiritual success in your life, because you just can't sit back and hope that it happens. There are some, some steps that you can take in order to begin to prepare your heart for God to work in your life. As I thought about that, I began to realize that in my own life, there's, there's so many incredible things about God and what he can do in my life that I'm just really not aware of. That I, that I really just take, in so many instances, I take God for granted. And I, I really don't see the incredible power that comes with knowing God. Uh, we're told in Ephesians 2, 6, and 7, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages... He might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Now the focus of Paul's message today is that the Lord has the ability to prepare us or to provide us with the knowledge to prepare us for spiritual success in our lives. So, so what, is, what is the insight that Paul shares with us and how to have a real walk with God? Well, the very first insight that Paul shares with us, according to our text, is really important. So if you're going to have a connection with God, it's imperative that you know who's for you and know who's against you. 
We need to know who is for us and who's against us. Now, look in verse number 10. It says, finally be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. And he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. You know, most of us have probably at one point or another in our lives played, you know, like a pickup game of basketball or a pickup game of football. And, you know, it's fun to do that, but it's, it's kind of difficult to be honest with you. I mean, because whenever you play a pickup game, it's not like everybody shows up wearing uniforms. I mean, you, you kind of play, everybody's sort of just dressed hodgepodge. And so if you're going to score, if you're going to do well, I mean, it's kind of important for you to know who's on your team, right? It's important to be able to identify that. That's why generally when it's a bunch of guys, we end up doing shirts and skins. And that becomes a rather frightening sight many times. But, you know, so we try to do whatever we can in order to figure out who's on our side. Because if you don't know who's on your team, then it's really hard to score. You know, when you don't know who's on your team, it's really hard to be able to play defense. Well, here's the idea for us today spiritually. If we're going to be successful in a walk with God, if we're going to be successful in understanding God's plan and direction for our lives, guys, we got to know who's for us. And we got to know who's against us. Got to figure out, what team am I on? Got to figure out, what side am I on? Who's on my side? And here's some good news for you. And you might not know this, you might not believe this, but I want you to know that according to Scripture, that God... Is for you. Do you know that? I think sometimes we think God is trying to kill me. But I want you to understand that according to the Bible, God is for you. And it's all throughout Scripture. In John 10.10, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Does that sound like somebody who's for you? Yeah, but he's for you. He wants you to have life. We're told in Jeremiah 29, 11, it's like one of the Old Testament verses that, that a lot of us know. One of probably one. And that is the Bible tells us that, that God, he has a plan for us, and it's to, to prosper us and not to harm us. God's for you. Now, we're told in John three sixteen it says, For God so loved the world. We're told that God loves us. And so as you go throughout Scripture, what you begin to understand and what you begin to see is that God is for you. Now that's the good news. But if God's for us, if anybody's for you, that means there's also somebody who's against you. Have y'all figured that out yet? There are some people, there are some things that are against you. And some of you might be thinking, I think my wife is. But there are some things that are against you, and that's, I'm not talking about that. You know who's against you? It's the devil. The devil is against you. Now you may say, how, how do I know that the devil's my enemy? That's what Jesus said. Jesus said in John 8, 44, he's speaking to religious leaders. This was not very good for religious leaders, but here's what Jesus said to them. He said, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, 
for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. You know what Satan's goal is for your life? His ultimate goal is to destroy you. And we know this. Jesus backs us up in John 10 when Jesus said that when Satan came, Satan's only goal is to steal, kill, and destroy you. Now, if that's the case, you might say, well, I mean, if he's trying to destroy I mean, who in the world is going to follow after somebody who's trying to destroy him? Yeah, if you know that you have an enemy who wants to just absolutely annihilate you, you're going to know, I'm not going to follow after that guy and listen to him. But here's the deal about Satan. Satan is he's tricky. Yeah, he's deceptive. That's why Paul says you need to understand the tactics of the devil. That's what our, our text today says that. That word tactics is an interesting word. It carries with it the idea of craftiness, cunning, and deceit. It is the picture of an animal that is hiding out, searching for prey, and when the prey comes by, he jumps out and he devours the prey. That is Satan. He is hiding out, looking to destroy you. And that's how he operates. And I really believe what he does is he lulls us to sleep spiritually, to where we are just, we're just sort of, you know, relaxed and think everything's going well. And then before we know it, we look up and then we are so inundated with sin and it's so in charge of our lives that we are at a point where we don't feel like we're able to escape. That's why Paul says that if we're going to avoid the traps of Satan, then we have to be diligent. We have to understand his tactics and we have to be willing to stand firm. Our text today says that we are to stand against the tactics of the devil. Uh, the phrase stand against, it is a military term. It means to hold your position under fire. Any of y'all ever been under fire before? I mean, not, not, I'm not talking about, you know, like with real bullets. But where you just feel like everything's going against you. That the world is inundating you saying, hey, listen, don't, don't, don't be a goody two-shoes. Man, follow us. Do what we say. Relax, relax a little bit. Come after us. And it can get so easy whenever that happens to see everybody else is doing it. I'm going to go on with them. What does Paul say? Paul says, "Uh uh-uh. He says, stand your ground. Why? Because God's there. God is here to rescue us and to be with us. Now, yeah, this is where I get in trouble a lot. There's a lot of times where I feel like, you know, I, can, I don't need any direction from the Lord because I think on this issue, I can handle it all by myself. You know, I can handle this, this problem on my own. I don't need any direction from anybody else. But you know what, guys? I am a private in the army of God. I see a small snippet of this life, whereas God is the general, and he's able to see the entire battle. And he's telling you, and he's telling me, he says, stand firm, hold your ground, because I see the big picture. I see what's going on. And so just simply trust in my direction, and in my leadership, and trust what my word says. Man, I get so irritated at myself whenever... Whenever I just operate on little snippets of life without taking time to see the big picture. Let me try to give you an example. In the early 1800s, there was a battle, a famous battle at Waterloo. You all heard of that one before? Uh, It was between the Duke of Wellington. Uh, He was on the English side and against Napoleon. Really, the 
the fate of England was in the hands of one man, his leadership, Wellington. People were anxiously awaiting to hear how the battle went. They didn't have telephones then. They used Morse code. They were sending signals across the English Channel when the battle was ended, and people wanted to know who won. The message came back, and it said very simply, Wellington defeated. And the English people went in panic mode. Uh, word spread all the way back to London. People were, you know, the markets were crashing. People were scared to death, did not know what was going to happen. They knew it was going to be the end of their country. They knew they'd be open to attack by Napoleon. And here's the deal. The message Wellington defeated, a fog had rolled in. And so that was the only part of the message they saw. There was, uh, there was a couple more words at the end of that message. It says, Wellington defeated Napoleon. At Waterloo. Now, do y'all think that changes that changes everything, doesn't it? But the fog blocked out the entire message. As I thought about that, I believe for many of us what happens is that the fog of this life, the fog of sin, clouds the message that God gives us. And so we end up operating on half-truths. What is the full message of God? That he is trustworthy. What is the full message of God? Satan is a liar. That your own way, not directed by the leadership of God, it leads to destruction and unfulfillment and death. The full message of God is that God has a plan for your life. A plan that leads you to meaning and purpose. That's why, that is why Paul said you stand firm in Jesus. How do I do that? Real simple, guys. I trust that God's true. I trust that what he says in this book, that he's going to keep his promise. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what does God do? He will make your paths straight. Now, how can we do this? Again, by placing ourselves under biblical teaching. Hey, you know what? That's why at Villagers, we want to teach out of the Bible. Because we understand that all of our great ideas that we have in our own heads, y'all, don't listen to us. You don't listen to, you don't listen to God's Word. That's why we, we want to encourage you to be a part of our V Group Ministries. So that you can put yourself under biblical teaching where we gather together and we say, hey, what does God have to say and how, how does it apply to our lives and how can we live for Jesus and proclaim his name in our living? Now, I look at our text today and I see there's some insights in preparing for success. And the first one is know who's for you and who's against you. You've got to know who's on your team and who's not. But then the second insight that, that Paul shares with us, and this is the last one, y'all, for today, is we're going to prepare for spiritual success, and we have to dress for it. And I know that sounds kind of odd, but I'm hoping that you'll kind of figure out where I was coming from on this. Uh, look with me in verse number 13, and I'll read the last four or five verses. It says, this is why you must take up or put on the full armor of God, so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything to take your stand, stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take the shield of faith, 
And with it you'll be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. Now, again, Paul's letting us know that we are involved in a spiritual battle in this life. And if we are involved in a battle, one thing that we want to do is we want to make sure that we are prepared to be able to fight the battle, right? I mean, if you're going into battle, you want to be ready. Now, this battle is not about how much money you make. It's not about where your kids go to school. It's not about... How popular you are. It's not about what, how big your house is. It's not about what kind of shape you're in. Those things are all good little things. And let me tell you something. When the rubber hits the road, there's only one thing that matters. Where do you stand with Jesus? And I know that we're in church and you're like, well, of course he's going to say that. Guys, it is truth. When you come to the end, and good news, bad news, for some of you, I'm assuming for most of us it's bad news, let me tell you something. Every one of you in here today, you are going to die. Yay. I mean, it's not good, is it? It's kind of scary. But that's the fact, and you can deny it all you want. But whenever that day is coming, whenever that day comes, there's only one thing that matters. Jesus. Now, where I stand with Jesus. See, life's going to come down to our eternity, and there's a battle that is going on for your soul right now. It's between good and evil, it's between light and darkness. And we better make sure that we are geared up, that we are dressed properly for the war so we come out victorious. You know, we have a lot of military folks in our church. And I know many of them, they've gone to Iraq, they've gone to Afghanistan, we have some there right now. When they go over there, do you think before they head over that they go to Target and say, we're going to Afghanistan, it's hot, we want to make sure they have some nice shorts and flip-flops and t-shirts? Ain't no way. You know why? Because when they go there, they're going to battle. What are they, what are they going to be wearing? they to make sure they're properly equipped. Yeah, they're going to have helmets. They want to have Kevlar vests. They want to have the right weapons, tanks, missiles, you know, just everything. Because they want to be prepared to fight, to have victory. Hey, let me tell you something. Same thing's true in this battle for our souls. We'll make sure that we, we have the right equipment to be able to survive this war. Remember this. Remember, Satan's a liar. He is a liar, and he's going to do whatever he can in order to deceive us. So... How do we fight deceit? You fight deceit with the truth. Where do we find truth? In Jesus. Paul begins to tell us what we're to wear. And we're going to go through the wardrobe here. And uh, y'all, be, I'll be brief. I'm just going to mention, we're just very simple. And I want to share with you what it means. I love history. Remember, in, in Ephesus, it was a Roman province. So what do they have? They have Roman soldiers. Paul is alluding to this because the people would identify. He says, first of all, I want you to be prepared. I want you to wear a belt of truth. This is not, it's not like a literal belt, but a belt of truth. What does a belt, what is the significance, or what does a belt do? What does it do? Holds up your pants. We hope that it holds up your pants. Because that's what a belt does. Now, for a Roman soldier, there was a belt. And that belt is actually 
what kept all the equipment together. If you didn't have the belt on, then your equipment wasn't attached. It was hard, it was hard to have the right clothing on. On the same belt, you would have your weapon attached, your sword. And so what Paul is telling us here is if you don't have the belt of truth on, then you have no weapon with which to defend yourself. Okay, spiritually, if we're not wearing the belt of truth, we will succumb to the lies of Satan. You want to fight lies, then you depend on the truth. What is the truth? Our truth is Jesus. John 14, 6, Jesus said this. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. We want to wear the belt of truth. We want, we want to follow Jesus because he's truth. Then he tells us you want to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now think of a Roman soldier again. The breastplate of righteousness. You know what the breastplate did? Protected vital organs. Y'all, on our own, we are sinful. You remember back in Ephesians 2, earlier in our study through this, it says that we by nature are objects of God's wrath. On our, when God looks at us, you know what he sees? He doesn't see, you know, Eric is a funny, great, in-shape guy. That's not what God sees. You know what he sees with me? That I'm sinful. You know, I'm just like, I'm just like everybody else. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, my heart is exceedingly wicked. That's me. That's my heart. It is beyond cure. What do I need? I need somebody to cover me, to protect me from my guilt. Who is the righteous one? It is Jesus. And I want to be covered by Jesus so that when God looks at me, he doesn't see my sick heart, but that he sees the power of Jesus. What else does Paul tell us that we're to put on? It says you're to have a shield. I like this. I love, I love stuff like I, I loved army men when I was a kid, so this, all this stuff's fun. My favorite thing to do with army men, this has nothing to do with the message today. I used to love to light their heads on fire and watch them melt. So much fun. Anyway, a shield of faith. Roman, Roman soldier, he would carry a shield. What does a shield do? It protects him from, right, protects him from arrows, from spears. This is one thing that's cool about the Roman soldier. His shield would have notches in the side of it so that he could join, he could join up, connect his shield to the soldiers on his left and right so that they could march into battle as a unit, so that they could be protected, so that they could face the enemy together. You know what that's a message of for us, for the church? We're not lone rangers. Guys, we need each other. As we link together, we go out into this world together. We're not to hide from the world. We're to go out in the, in the world together, facing the enemy with the shield of faith. Because our God is victorious. Like we sang earlier, our God. God before us, who can be against us? Last thing that we're put, put on is a helmet of salvation. What's the helmet do? Protects your head. Bible tells us that there's a battle going on for your mind. I really believe that whatever is in your mind, what you put into your mind, eventually works its way out into the way that you live. That's why you want to protect your mind with the helmet of salvation so that you will live for the things of God. You know, without a helmet on, you are susceptible to a headshot. 
And the headshot will incapacitate you. It will destroy you. That's why Paul tells us in Romans 12, too. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Helmet of salvation. And then the sword. I mean, you have, if you're going to talk about uh, what to wear, I mean, you've got to talk about the weapon. You've got to have a sword. A sword for the Roman soldier was not this big, long sword. It was a short dagger-like sword for hand-to-hand combat. The goal was that you're going to use that sword in order to penetrate the heart of your enemy. Because if you penetrate his heart, you destroy the enemy. What is our sword? Look in verse number, uh, is it 17? Yeah, the end of verse number 17 says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? What is it? It's God's Word. In other words, it is Scripture. This book is how we survive the lies of Satan. It is the book that we are to look to in order to see what needs to be cut out of our lives. Sin is like a cancer that destroys us. And we are to use God's Word to reflect on it and to act on it and to use it to cut out the cancer of sin in our lives that we might be able to survive. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You remember whenever Jesus was in the wilderness and Satan was tempting him? You remember how Jesus fought Satan off? He quoted scripture. Satan told him lies, do this and follow me, I will bless you. And Jesus quoted scripture and said, you big liar. He knew the truth. Guys, we're going to fight Satan off. We have to know the truth. You want to find the truth? Look here. That's why it's imperative that we, that we look into God's word and read it and know what it says. Otherwise, we're going to fall to the counterfeit garbage of this world. As a story, I, I just, this interesting story to me, a guy named Emmanuel Ninja was a guy who was a counterfeit artist. He, used to, he would paint on paper $20 bills. And he was such a good painter, it was incredible how good they looked. He could pass them off. It just so had, he would have gotten, gotten away with it, but he went to a grocer, bought groceries, handed him the $20 bill. The grocer's hands were wet. Handed him the $20 bill, paint came off on his hands. Called the police, they came, they arrested him, went to his house. When they went to his house, they found these $20 bills, stacks of them. They're like, well, that's impressive. But they also found paintings that he had done, and they were beautiful paintings. It took him as long to paint a $20 bill as it did one of those paintings. The police took the paintings, they actually auctioned them off. They ended up selling the paintings for $5,000 a piece. This guy was a great artist. Now, $5,000, same amount of time. Or a $20 bill. Ninger was a guy who was, uh, he was definitely a thief, but he ended up robbing himself more than anybody else. You see, he went after the counterfeit $20 bills instead of the truth of his own paintings, and he lost. Guys, the same thing is true today. There is a battle that is raging for our souls. And it's between light and and darkness, between the truth and a lie. 
And Paul says, if we are going to live in truth, he says, you put on the full armor of God. How do we do that? It starts off with you knowing who's for you, who's against you. And then secondly, you dress for success. You come ready for battle, wearing the clothes that God offers.